We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you very much, as always, for locking into the show. This is going to be an audio-only episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast. Taping this here on a Labor Day afternoon for a Tuesday drop. And folks, it is here, finally. Opening week of the NFL, the Buffalo Bills have a game in just two days. Awesome stuff, man. I'm uh, obviously very, very excited about this. I'm doing a solo episode. This will not be long today. I'll let you know this now. During the season, I'm not going to be doing any solo stuff. I'm not really particularly a fan of doing solo episodes, but it is Labor Day where I'm taping this and people have stuff going on. So I wanted to make sure that I recorded something that you would have for Tuesday. Plus today's uh, premise, today's topic is all about Buffalo Bills and NFL predictions and projections. And I want to put my own name to these predictions and to these projections. I don't want anyone else to get blame If I look back at this episode six months from now and I'm completely off, it's nobody's fault uh, but my own. So again, today we're going to do, I'm going to go through the league in division by division and I'm going to predict divisional winners. I got some Buffalo Bills individual over-unders, which will be same uh, categories that I did when I had Sal Capaccio and Matt Bovey on a show with me not too long ago. I'll revisit that. Um, I got some Buffalo Bills individual award projections. Uh, I got a couple things that could potentially derail the 2022 season for the Buffalo Bills. We'll hit on that. Then I got some NFL award predictions for the league, not just the team. And then ultimately I'm going to make my Super Bowl pick here. I'm going to let you know that the Bills do open up on Thursday night, of course, in LA against the Rams, the kickoff to the 2022 NFL season. Immediately following that game, I will be taping live with Joe Yurden, our typical Friday episode. We're going to tape that very late Thursday night after the Bills game. And then on a side note, by the way, by the time you hear that on Friday morning, I'll actually be off on the road. I'm going to South Bend next this coming weekend. Uh, Notre Dame home opener against Marshall. I am uh, 
Lifetime Notre Dame fan, lifelong Notre Dame fan. I've never been to an actual game live. That's going to change. I'm going with a couple buddies, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I was hoping they would be 1-0 going into this game. Kind of shit the bed a little bit in the second half against Ohio State this past weekend, but, you know, whatever. It is what it is. It's not going to take away from uh, the vibes and the environment being awesome in South Bend, so I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, we will be taping immediately live um, after the Bills-Rams game on Thursday. Let me jump into this right away because, again, I don't want this to uh, take up too much of your time. I'm not a fan, as you guys know, of, of doing these solo episodes, but they're better than nothing. First and foremost, I wanted to address just the Buffalo Bills being favored. They are the Super Bowl betting favorites. They have been throughout this entire offseason. That kind of worries me a little bit. And we'll talk about that in a little while. The expectations, the the very lofty expectations that come with being the favorite. But first and foremost, I want to start by saying this. I think the Buffalo Bills categorically should be favored to win the Super Bowl. And the reason why I say that is because you look at this roster from top to bottom. And honestly, and I'm not saying this. As a, as a fan, and I am a Bills fan. I don't try to hide that I'm a Bills fan. So I'm not going to be one of those guys who sit here and tell you that I'm not a fan. I am. But that said, I also tried my best to cover the team objectively and without any bias when it comes to the team in this podcast specifically. But I legitimately truly think that this team should be favored because you look at this roster and I honestly do not think that there are any significant flaws anywhere on this entire roster. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now with Josh Allen. You can make a very fair case that he might be the best quarterback in the NFL based on what we've seen the last two years and in the postseason last year. Now, of course, a lot of people are going to say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback, and you're not wrong. I think they're kind of interchangeable. I've said this many times on this show. If you're the Bills and you have Josh Allen, you're not trading him for anyone in the NFL including Patrick Mahomes. Conversely, if you're the Chiefs and you got Patrick Mahomes, you're not trading him for anyone in the NFL, including Josh Allen. I think that's a very fair assessment. But anyway, you got those two guys. You got Aaron Rodgers, who he might be old and he's not going to be long for this league, but he is the back-to-back defending um, regular season MVP. He deserves to be right there with them. Tom Brady, the ultimate winner. He's still right there. So there's a lot of or a handful, I should say, of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And absolutely, Josh Allen's one of them. So they got one of the best quarterbacks, which is by far the most important position. I think they have the ability to run the ball effectively, or I should say at least efficiently. You know, not the greatest running backs, but they got good running backs. They can run the football. Um, Wide receiver, they got one of the best in the game, Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis is an emerging number two. I think he's ready for stardom, quite frankly. Dawson Knox showed that he's one of the better young tight ends in the NFL last year. The offensive line is perfectly adequate. If there is any weakness on the offense whatsoever, you might say the offensive line, you could point there, although I would at least semi-disagree because you got Mitch Morris, who's one of the most steady centers in the NFL. You got Deion Dawkins, your left tackle, your blindside protector, and a Pro Bowl player. Uh, Ryan Bates, Only started five games, so I I guess you might be a little bit low on him, but the Bills like him a lot, and they matched a pretty big offer from Minnesota to bring him back. Right tackle might be the lone 
question mark right now. Maybe with this entire starting unit on both sides of the football, because it looks like David Gwinsberry is going to start the season. Spencer Brown's coming off surgery, and he either he's not all the way back, or they're just not impressed with how he's looked so far in camp. But anyway, right tackle, a little bit of a question mark. Left guard, Roger Saffold, a Pro Bowl player, but he is 34 years old. He has gotten injured a couple times. So I get it to some extent. The offensive line might be the lone question, but I don't think it's a big question. I don't think it's like they got a bunch of unproven guys there. So I think the offensive line is going to be fine. And of course, the defense, look, it fell apart in Kansas City last year, and I get it. And I also, like many of you, don't think the Bills' defense as a whole was quite as good as the numbers indicated last year, which of course the Bills were literally the number one defense in the NFL. But we had questions about that before the Kansas City playoff game. Because we saw some teams, especially ones with good running games, really kind of uh, have their way with this Bills defense. We saw Derrick Henry do it with Tennessee on Monday Night Football last year. We saw Jonathan Taylor just carve them up. 185 yards, uh, four touchdowns when the Colts throttled the Bills. Uh, they struggled containing the New England Patriots running game the first time around anyway last year. So, again, the defense had some question marks. But that said, yeah, they fell apart in Kansas City, but they still were a good defense. right? Maybe not the best defense, but they're still a good defense. And the secondary, well, obviously with Trey White gone, there's some questions there, as there should be. He's a all-pro corner. That's probably the biggest question mark of the defense right now is Kyrie Elam going to be good as a rookie? Is Christian Benford a six-round rookie pick? Is he going to be ready to step in and play, maybe even start? Dane Jackson, who's who went from being a, a bench guy last year, quite frankly, at the beginning of the season, to now he's the number one corner going into week one against the Rams. Your number one corner is Dane Jackson because Trey White's hurt and Levi Wallace walked. And he walked because the Bills really didn't make an effort to resign him. But anyway... I see the questions there, but aside from that, man, which you had two of the best safeties, probably the best safety tandem in the entire NFL and Hyde and Poyer. So they're there to help support and cover up a hole that might be there at corner. Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds are outstanding at linebacker. I'm not going to get into this whole Tremaine Edmonds stuff before the season even starts. And then last year, I think the biggest reason we all know, the biggest reason why the Bills couldn't get past Kansas City is because they couldn't get home when it came to putting Patrick Mahomes on the ground, not so much pressure in him, but finishing. And that's why you go out and you get a Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller is going to make a huge difference. And we'll talk about him a little more specifically in a couple minutes, but he's not just, it's not just him. He's going to make Gregory Rizzo better. He's going to make Ed Oliver better. He's going to make everyone on that defensive line better. So I look at this team talent-wise, you look at this team with an ascending quarterback. You look at this team who's made the playoffs the last two years. A team who should have, quite frankly, should have went to the Super Bowl last year were not for a gag job in the last 13 seconds. And I see why they're favored. I definitely do. So we'll get back or we'll circle back to that because I think there's also a few reasons that you should be concerned about them being favorites. And we'll get, I'll get to that in a few minutes. But what I want to do right now is get into some predictions going to go around the league through each division. And I'm just going to quickly predict who I think is going to win each division. And then we'll come up with uh, three wildcard teams for each conference. We'll start in the AFC East. I, I mean, obviously <laughs> I'm not going to not pick the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are going to win the AFC East. I will say one thing though, 
I don't think this is going to be an easy victory lap like a lot of people think. I think the Miami Dolphins will have something to say about the AFC East this year. I think they're a good football team. They got a lot of talent. And their question mark is that quarterback, which a lot of people think too is a scrub. And I don't. I've said this before on the show. I'll say it again. If Tua plays Ryan Tannehill level, I think Miami's going to be right there. And I do think he will play at that kind of level. So I, I like Buffalo, obviously. I think Miami's going to have something to say. I don't think New England is as good as uh, people give them credit for. I think last year was a little bit fluky. I know they got Bill Belichick, but I just don't like that roster. Not even going to talk about the Jets right now. Good young talent, by the way, in the Jets. I, it's just, they're not ready yet. So I got the Bills in the East. In the North, which might be one of the better uh, divisions in football, I got the Bengals coming out of it again. I, I think they're a Super Bowl quality team. I don't think it was a fluke that they got there last year. Although, again, the Bills losing to Kansas City certainly helped their case. But I think the Bengals are very good. Uh, we'll talk about that more in a minute, too. I, I got um, them over Baltimore. I know a lot of people consider Baltimore the favorite in the AFC North, but I like Cincy. Uh, Pittsburgh will be competitive like they always are. Cleveland with Deshaun Watson gone for 11 games and other question marks. I just don't see them being a factor this year. AFC South, definitely the Colts. Um, I really like their roster a lot. I think Matt Ryan is an upgrade over Carson Wentz, although I'm not convinced that Matt Ryan is a guy who can get the Colts over the hump. But they do have a good roster. The best running back, in my opinion anyway, in the NFL right now with Jonathan Taylor. Plenty of talent on that team. Tennessee, I just, you know, I don't think Tennessee's that good, man. I really don't. I think losing A.J. Brown is going to hurt them a lot this year. They'll be in the mix, but I don't think they're that good. The Jags are going to be improved, but they're not ready. Houston, definitely not ready. And then in the West, which is going to be far and away, uh, it's the best division in football. I'll tell you what, man, I'm, I'm going with at least a semi-upset. I, I think the L.A. Chargers are going to be uh, the team that comes out this year. I like that team a lot. Justin Herbert potentially could play at an MVP level. I love him. Austin Eckler, Williams, Keenan Allen. I mean, there's just weapons galore in the Chargers. And they got they got talent on defense too, man. Duran James is one of the best. Uh, they got Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, of course. I think the Chargers are going to come away with uh, winning the West. Wild cards, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they're not going to not make the playoffs. They'll be right there with the Chargers. So I, I got Kansas City. Uh, I think Baltimore will make the wild card. And then with the third one, I'm really tempted to say Denver. But man, now you're talking uh, three of the four teams in, in the AFC coming out into the playoffs. I'm going to go with Miami. I think, I'm telling you, <laughs> I think Miami is going to have a lot to say in the AFC this year. And I'm going to keep going back to Tua. How much he's improved will determine how far Miami goes. The better he is, the better this team is. And weapon-wise, skill player-wise, I'm going to tell you, man, they're just right there. They're right there with Buffalo, almost at least anyway. A lot of areas. Pass catchers, good running backs, great corners, pretty good defensive linemen. This is a good football team. I'm going to go with Miami. I don't think Denver's going to get in the playoffs, and I don't think the Raiders are going to get in the playoffs. I think... That division is going to cancel each other out a little bit. So that's my AFC again. Buffalo, Cincy, Indy, the Chargers winning the division. 
And I got KC, Baltimore, and Miami making the playoffs as wild cards. Uh, added to the NFC in the East, I'm going to go with Philly. They had a really good roster. A.J. Brown, I just thought about him. I talked about him leaving Tennessee. Well, him coming to Philly's definitely going to help Jalen Hurts. A lot of talent there. Dallas has injuries, especially in the offensive line. I'm just not as high on them as other people are. So I don't think Dallas is going to win that division. Uh, then you got the Giants and, and Washington after. I don't think there'll be much of a, a factor. In the North, I'll go with Green Bay. But I think Minnesota is going to be a, a pretty good team this year. I think Minnesota is going to be right there. Uh, I think Detroit's going to be improved. Not quite division contender improved, but improved over what they've been for the last handful of years. Uh, meanwhile, the Chicago Bears stink. I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the year if they end up with the top pick. I don't, I don't, there's just nothing really in Chicago for to, to build around Justin Fields. In the South, I think this is going to be my big uh, surprise for the year. Everyone's picking Tampa. Well, everyone except me because I'm not. I'm going to pick the New Orleans Saints to win that division. They're a pretty good team, but I also, more than that, I just think Tampa Bay is time for them to, uh, this might be the year where Tom Brady falls off the cliff. Finally, at, at what, 45 years old. Um, the offensive line is decimated. I think that's going to hurt him. Gronk retired. I think that's going to hurt them. They lost uh, JPP on defense. They lost uh, So on defense. They've lost some players on defense. This team's, um, it's hard to explain it. I just, they have talent. They replenished a lot of it. They re-signed a lot of it. But like guys like Julio Jones, like his best days are behind him. Is Chris Godwin going to come back fully healthy? I don't know, man. There's a lot of questions on Tampa. Not to mention a new head coach or Bruce Arians gone. I just think that this is the year where Tampa falls off. So I'm going to go with the Saints in an upset. Then in the West, a pretty loaded division. I'm going to go with the Rams again. Um, I think this is, again, I think it's going to be a very tough division. I think San Francisco is going to be right there with them. Uh, Arizona will be uh, a contender. Seattle, not so much. I'm going to go with the Rams. And then my three wildcard teams, I talked about one of them. I think Minnesota is going to be improved. I think Dallas might disappoint to some extent, but I still think that they're a playoff team. And then I'm going to go with the 49ers as my wildcard team. So to recap, Philly, Green Bay, Saints, Rams are your divisional winners. And then Minnesota, Dallas, and the 49ers are your wildcard teams. And again, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I could see them going like, what is it, 9-8 and eight maybe, and missing the playoffs. I just... Sooner or later, Tom Brady's going to fall off. And I think with the injuries, especially on the offensive line, I think this finally could be uh, the year. So anyway, let's take a real quick break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to revisit some Buffalo Bills 2022 over-unders that I did with Sal and Matt not long ago. But now I'm going to offer my picks on these. And then we'll get to uh, some awards as well. Be right back. Sports fans who like to wager... I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than OddsTrader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice 
of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all of your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back here capping off this Buffalo Bills NFL 2022 season preview and predictions episode. Let's jump into some Buffalo Bills individual over-unders. Again, I had Sal Capaccio and Matt Bovea not too long ago, and I asked them these same statistical questions. Uh, they had their opinions. I kind of held off on mine, but I'm going to throw mine out there now. We're going to start. And again, these are over-unders for the Buffalo Bills for the year. Josh Allen, 4,500 passing yards. Uh, he had 44.07 last year. I'm actually thinking about these on the fly. Just so you know that I did not uh, make my picks before uh, on paper. He would have to average about 265 passing yards per game. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under only because I think, especially on the back half of the schedule, I think the Bills are going to have some pretty chunky leads in the second half. And I think Sean McDermott's going to be a little bit more committed to wanting a uh, consistent running game. So I think the Bills are going to run the ball a little bit more than they had the past couple of years. So you couple that with the fact that I think the Bills are going to have some pretty uh, significant leads in a lot of games. And, and, and I'm tending to, I'm leaning towards going under. Now there'll be some games where Josh throws for 370. So I get it, it'll balance out. But as a whole, I'm going to go under. Uh, next stat, Josh Allen, 700 rushing yards. He had 763 last year. I'm going to go under again. Um, to get 700 rushing yards over 17 games, he would need to average 41 per game. I don't see that happening. 
I said that I think Sean McDermott is going to be more committed to having a little bit more of a balanced rushing versus passing attack. I think he's also going to be committed, and Ken Dorsey as well, of course, to uh, not having Josh running the ball as much as last year, at least on a consistent basis. There'll be some games you know, where they're playing the Packers that are playing in Kansas City where Josh might take off and he might run more than normal. But on a week-to-week basis, I think they're going to be a little more concerted to, to not having Josh run the football. 41 yards per game for a quarterback is a lot. So I'm going to go under there. Next one, we have Gabe Davis, 1,000 yards receiving. He had 549 last year. I'm going to go over. I can't tell you, and if you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you already know how, how high I am on Gabe Davis. Before the playoffs last year too, by the way. Before the playoffs when he went nuts in Kansas City. I think Gabe Davis is ready to be a legitimate star in the NFL. I could see him at the end of this year being considered one of the top 20 receivers in the NFL. Maybe even one of the top like 15 receivers in the NFL. I think he's that good. And I think he's also the beneficiary of playing alongside Stephon Diggs. You know, you could talk about Gabe Davis in the end of the world, but come Sunday on the field, you can only pay him so much attention because you got Stephon Diggs out there as well, among other weapons. So I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities. And I, yeah, and I feel, you know, of the ones, the first three that we've done so far, I'm very comfortable with saying he's going to go over a thousand yards this year. Uh, moving on. Speaking of Stefan Diggs, 100 receptions. He's had 103 last year and 127 um, the year before that. So those are the last two years, 127 and 103. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go under. I think it's going to be close though. I think it's more, and it's nothing against Stefan Diggs. He's as good as ever. I just think, again, Gabe Davis is going to have big numbers. I think the Bills are going to try to run the football more. Uh, I think Dawson Knox has emerged as a good player. More on him in a second. Um, James Cook's going to come out of the backfield and catch some passes. Devin Singletary, ditto. Lots of weapons on this team. And I think it's going to be just maybe a little bit more balanced than the last couple of years, which might result in Stephon Diggs' uh, production dipping slight. I'm not saying the guy's only going to go on and have 65 catches this year. He's going to be up around 100, but I'll go a little slightly under 100. Devin Singletary, 950 rushing yards. That was the one, the next stat I did with Sale and Matt. He had 870 last year, which was his career best. 950. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go, uh, I, I'm going to go under, but I think it's doable. I do think he has a legitimate chance to get to a thousand, but I'm going to go under just because the bills tend to play the hot hand. And again, you know, Brian Dable's gone now and we'll see what, if it's different with Ken Dorsey, but I could see some games where Zach Moss gets 12 to 15 carries. I could see some games where the game plan is going to be James Cook has seen a lot more snaps and they're going to throw the ball to him a lot more out of the backfield. There'll come, there'll be games where Singletary gets 100, 130 yards, but there'll also be some games where I could see him only getting 30 to 40 yards on a, you know, a handful of carries, especially maybe early on in the season. If the offense is struggling to get the running game going and they fall behind and Josh is going to have to throw a lot more. So 
I'm going to go under 950, but it would not surprise me at all if I was wrong. I am a Devin Singletary guy. In fact, <laughs> I have a, well, so far anyway, I, I have one more draft coming up actually tonight, but uh, I did one fantasy football draft over the weekend and Devin Singletary was actually my lone Buffalo Bill on my team. I got him in the seventh round. But anyway, I'll go under by a little bit. Uh, Dawson Knox, nine and a half touchdown receptions. He had nine last year. Um, this is a tough one. I, again, a couple of these I hadn't really thought about until I'm looking at him right now in real time. He had nine last year. So I'm projecting the over-unders that he has nine and a half. He would actually have to improve over last year. You know what? I'm going to go over. I, I can see him having 10 or 11 this year. Maybe he doesn't have as many catches or as many yards, but he is a legit red zone threat. I remember the New England game from the playoffs last year where Josh Allen admitted, and I've heard this in offseason interviews where he just threw the ball up. He had no idea Dawson Knox was there and was going to come down with it, but he did. I think Knox has a big body. He, uh, he can find his way into the end zone. I don't know. You know, sometimes there's just no rhyme or reason and it's a gut feeling. And I have a gut feeling that Dawson Knox will have double digit touchdowns uh, this year. All right, let's go to the other side of the ball. Defense, we did Vaughn Miller, nine and a half sacks. That's exactly what he had last year with the Rams, nine and a half. I'm going to go under, but not because I don't love Vaughn Miller. I think he's going to go through stretches where he doesn't have sacks where I think he gets a lot of attention, a lot of double teams, which will lead to other guys doing well. But it's not because, again, I'm not high on Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller was brought to the Buffalo Bills for big moments. Vaughn Miller was brought to the Buffalo Bills so that in the fourth quarter of a game at Arrowhead Stadium, he gets to Patrick Mahomes and he finishes off a, a drive. That's why Vaughn Miller's here. For the big moments, the big plays, week by week, I think the Bills might limit his snap counts a little bit, especially early in the season to try to keep him fresh. Sean McDermott just loves that defensive line rotation. So, yeah, man, I'm going to go. I could see him having like six and a half, seven sacks. But again, real smart Bills fans anyway, nobody's going to be worried about that because he's here for the big moments. So he can have under and still be a critical player on this team. And I'm going to go under for that reason. Um, I asked Sal and Matt this. It was a bonus, not an over-under, but who will lead the Bills in sacks in 2022? And I, I picked Greg Rizzo. I can see Greg Rizzo getting the 9 to 10 sacks this year. I think there's going to be a lot of guys who get between 5 to 9 sacks. And uh, Vaughn Miller being one of them, Ed Oliver being another. But I can see Greg Rizzo in his second year leading the team. Um, a couple more here. Hyde and Poyer combined 8.5 interceptions. They had 10 combined last year, and they each had 5. It's hard to get interceptions. I'll tell you though, I'm going to go over actually. I'm going to go over because I see the Bills getting up in front of a lot of teams. I think teams are going to be throwing the football a lot. I think the defensive line is going with Vaughn Miller is going to provide more pressure. It's going to force quarterbacks into throwing the ball earlier. And smart players like Hyde and Poyer combined, eight and a half. They had 10 last year. I could see them doing that again. And by the way, five each is a lot. In fact, in part because of that, Mike Hyde made the Pro Bowl. Jordan Poyer made the All-Pro team. So I'll, I'm going to go over. I can see them having nine, maybe even 10 between them both, just like last year. Uh, last individual one, Trey White games played 10 and a half. Now, again, I did this with Salamat a couple months ago. At the time, we had literally no idea 
of uh, any kind of medical prognosis with Trey White. Since then, we've learned he he's going on IR, so he's going to miss at least the first four games. Ten and a half. I'm going to go under, and the reason why I'm going under is because I think that he won't make his debut until after uh, the Packers game, after following the bye. He'll he'll debut against the Packers following the bye, which would make him miss the first six games. So even if he played in every game, if that's the case, he would only play in 11. So, uh, you know know what? (laughs) I'm talking myself out of it. I said games played 10 and a half. So I'm going to go over because, again, I think he will debut against the Packers and uh, he'll end up playing 11, assuming he can stay healthy. Last one that I did with them, and uh, I'll do it here with you guys now. Bills wins 12 and a half for the season. It's worth noting Matt and Sale both projected the Bills to go 12 and 5. So they both took the under. I am going to take the under as well. I see the same thing. I see them being 12 and 5 this year. You look at those first seven games at LA, Tennessee, at Miami, at Baltimore, Pittsburgh, at Kansas City, and Green Bay. Those, those are seven tough games, man. Pittsburgh at home is no gimme. We know that from last year. Pittsburgh went to Buffalo and won last year. Tennessee at home, that's no gimme either. Tennessee has played the Bills really, really tough. And then those road games at LA to start the season, at Baltimore, at Kansas City, at Miami. I can see the Bills, they might be hard-pressed, to be honest with you, especially without Trey White. And You know, you might have some early season struggles. Four and three after the first seven would not be terrible by any means. So you go four and three. Now the back half, to be fair, the back half of the schedule on paper is so significantly easier. I mean, your only real test, you're at New England, you got Miami at home, you're at Cincy uh, on Monday Night Football, the second last week of the year, you got New England at home to end the season. But still, I think there's always one or two games, not just for the Bills, pretty much for every team, where you just go on and you have a stinker. And I can see that happening. So if they go four and three, to start their first seven and they lose, uh, maybe they lose at Cincinnati or even at New England at some point. Or again, you lose at Cincinnati and then you lose a game that you should win, which a Patriots game or maybe Miami at home. You never know. We lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. It happens. So 12 and five, I think is a reasonably good record. Which by the way, I do think 12 and five should be no worse than maybe the second seed in the AFC. And it could possibly depend on how things play out, especially with that AFC West being so wild and tough. Those guys playing each other two times each. 12 and five very well might still end up getting you a first in the AFC overall. So yeah, I got the Bills going 12 and five, which would put the uh, put them under for 12 and a half. All right, a couple more quick things here and then we're out. Bills awards. These are MVP individual awards. I have team MVP that doesn't include Josh Allen because that's just, you know, that's low-hanging fruit. That's too easy. I'm going to go with Ed Oliver. He's my non-Josh Allen Bills MVP. This guy's ready to have a monster year. Man, I can't tell you how excited I am to watch him play with Vaughn Miller on the same defensive line. I think Ed Oliver, who was in a beast last year, and I think he emerged as one of the better players on the team last year, one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL last year, I think he's ready to take it to another level. So he's my non-Josh Yellen MVP. My rookie of the year is going to be Khalil Shakir. I think it might not be the first two or three games, but I think 
sooner than later, this guy is going to be a constant out there for the Bills catching passes and making plays, returning punts. I know the uh, the more obvious pick would be Kyrie Elam because he's a first-round rookie and he probably is going to be starting from week one. We'll see what happens when Trey comes back later in the year, though. I think those corners are going to have their up and downs where I think Khalil Shakir is going to be one of those guys that a lot of fans get excited about relatively quick. So I'm going to go with him. Breakout star, I want to say Gabe Davis, but I, I don't think I could count him at this point. He kind of already is a breakout star. I think he became that last year, certainly in the playoffs. The entire league knows about him now. Um, You know, I'm going to go with, you know, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Ryan Bates. I think the Bills are going to look, Brandon Bean is going to look really smart for matching the Minnesota offer for Ryan Bates. He only had a five-game sample as a starter last year. I liked him a lot. It seemed like the offensive line really started to click last year when Ryan Bates hit that lineup. He's a starter from day one now, 17 weeks. I think he's going to be a very good guard for the Bills. So I'm, and, and, and something happens to Mitch Morris, he can slide over to center. I, I like him a lot. So I'm going to go with my breakout star again. Not Nothing sexy, and you won't see it in the stat sheet, obviously. But I'm going to go Ryan Bates. Uh, I'll add to Dane Jackson could be another candidate because he's going to be the starter pretty much as long as he stays healthy all year. Um, he'll be the number one corner before Trey uh, gets back in the lineup. And even once Trey White is back, I think Dane Jackson is still going to start. So he certainly would be a candidate. But yeah, man, I, I really like Ryan Bates. I'm going to go with him. Last one. Uh, a dud. We'll go with the Bills dud for 2022. Uh, you know, it's not easy. <laughs> not a lot of guys on this team who I don't think are going to be uh, disappointments. But, you know, for now, and I, I'd love to be proven wrong. I'm going to go Spencer Brown. Uh, he, I don't think he's going to start the season at starting right tackle. In fact, he's not. David Quinzenberry's there for now. Um, he took a while to get back from surgery, and he has not looked great at camp in the preseason. Certainly not good enough to to feel comfortable for Sean McDermott to put him in the starting lineup over Quisenberry. I know there are a lot of expectations because he became the starting right tackle last year and looked really good at times. So I think there's expectations for him and maybe because of that. And again, I don't really feel comfortable picking anyone for this position. But if I had to pick someone for now anyway, I'll go Spencer Brown. Another guy, and I know fans ain't going to like hearing this, but James Cook, as good as I think he can be and he might ultimately be, he's also a rookie and he may be brought along way more slowly than a lot of fans like, especially if the team feels comfortable throwing the ball to Devin Singletary out of the backfield. That will take away a lot of snaps for him. So because of the fact that he's a rookie and he might be brought along slowly, that can kind of put him in line technically if you want to be technical about it for him being a duck. But I'm still going to go Spencer Brown. All right. A few more things here. Um, I had three things listed. I said this would be a topic. What? So what can derail the Buffalo Bills right now? Again, they're the Super Bowl betting favorites. We've talked about throughout this episode why they are, why they deserve to be, and I do think they deserve to be. But what are three things that could derail the Bills? I got three. Number one is obvious, injuries. You can say that for 32 teams in the NFL too. Josh Allen goes down, significant injury, season over. Certain players, Stephon Diggs goes down for a long time. Deion Dawkins, Ed Oliver. There's lots of players that could go down. So injuries is definitely the number one reason a, a favorite could go down. And again, you can say that for literally every team. There's nothing unique about the Bills there. Number two, 
And this is something I've been a little bit worried about this entire offseason. It's, you know, we're talking about them being favorites. There is ridiculous expectations right now with the Buffalo Bills. And it's not in local media and fans. This is the national media. National people all over the place are picking the Bills. I said this on the show last week. I kind of pay attention to this. I think more national people are picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl than all the other teams combined. Almost everyone is picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Can they handle these expectations? They've never been in this position before. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. It really is. It's a lot of pressure. Are they built to handle it? We don't know that yet. We'd like to think they are built to handle it, but we don't know that yet. And that's especially true with the head coach. I'm not going to get into a big spiel about Sean McDermott right now, but I'm also not going to forget about the fact that in the biggest moment of a playoff game last year, he fell apart in 13 seconds. I'm moving on from it. You've moved on from it. But don't forget about it. If that situation comes again, something along those lines, I need to know that the moment's not too big for him. That comes with having big expectations. So that's two. And then last is the corner position. I mean, again, I'm not throwing any stuff out at you that you haven't heard this offseason, but Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, Christian Benford, them not being ready to be NFL caliber good corners right now is something to worry about. When will Trey White be back? When he comes back, will he be 100%? Because he's going to swing right back into it. He's pretty much going to go right into the fire, I think. So that CB2 position is important. Now, we saw last year Trey White went down and you had Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson as your starters. And for the most part, the team was fine. But you can't dismiss it with Dane Jackson having a much more important role this year than last year. And then two rookies alongside him. So that's a concern. I will say this. I can see Brandon Bean making some kind of in-season veteran trade at corner, especially if he doesn't like what he's seeing from Elam and Bedford early in the year. So those are the three things that could derail the Bills. I want to circle back to something else I missed too, because when I said breakout star, I went with Ryan Bates and I said Dane Jackson's another candidate. Another candidate, remember this name, folks, Tim Settle, the defensive tackle that came over from Washington. He's going to have an opportunity this year, and I think he's going to be a very good uh, player. I just want to throw that out there because I missed that earlier. All right, last two things here. NFL awards, MVP. Sorry, Bills fans. I know Josh Allen is the betting favorite. He, he's, he's the popular pick. I'm actually going to go with Justin Herbert. I'm just being honest and objective here. I think the Chargers, if they win the AFC West and this offense looks as good, the Chargers offense looks as good as I think it's going to, that's going to put Justin Herbert right dead smack middle of an MVP conversation, as it should. If they win that division, that loaded division, and, and he plays well, Justin Herbert is going to win MVP. Offensive player of the year, Jonathan Taylor from the Colts. I mean, we saw it last year. I think he's become the best running back in the NFL. I think the Colts are going to run the ball a lot. And I think he's going to have a huge year offensively. Defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald, because I don't need to explain to you. He's, he's freaking Aaron Donald. You'll get a good look Thursday night on why he's the best defensive player in the NFL, bar none. Um, offensive rookie of the year. I like George Pickens from Pittsburgh a lot. I mean, Deontay Johnson's always getting hurt. 
Chase Claypool is very inconsistent. The, the Steelers are going to have to throw the ball. Even if they don't want to, they're going to throw the ball plenty. And I can see George Pickens having a good year. Defensive side of the ball, staying in the same division, Kyle Hamilton. And no, not just because he's a Notre Dame guy. Um, I love him with Baltimore. What a great fit. He's going to step in with so much talent in that secondary and front seven around him. It's a perfect fit. I think Kyle Hamilton right off the bat is going to be the best defensive rookie in the NFL. And then the last category is NFL coach of the year, Zach Taylor from the Bengals. Look, I mean, <laughs> I did an entire episode on the Bengals and I still think they're grossly underrated right now. Um, they're in a tough division. I think they're going to win that division over Baltimore with Pittsburgh and Cleveland in there. I don't think Zach Taylor gets enough credit for the Bengals rise. So I'm going to go with him as my head coach of the year. And then last thing here, folks, Super Bowl. All right, NFC, I got the Rams again going to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to beat the Eagles. In the AFC, <laughs> I would get run out of town if I didn't pick the Bills to go to the Super Bowl. And I am going to pick them. I'm going to pick them over the Cincinnati Bengals. But again, I did an entire episode on the Bengals being very underrated. I think the Bengals are every bit as good as the Buffalo Bills. I know a lot of you guys don't want to hear that. You want to hear about how they got lucky last year and a shitty division and this and that. I'm telling you right now, Joey Burrow, folks, is a winner. In three years, your boys won the Heisman Trophy. Your boys won a national championship. And he has led his team to a Super Bowl. And by the way, he also missed a year or a half a season because of a major knee injury. Joey Burrow is a shit. Jamar Chase, one of the best receivers already in the NFL. Higgins, Boyd, um, Hayden Hurst is their tight end. Their weapons are every bit as good. They spent a shitload of money on the offensive line this offseason because their offensive line was garbage last year. That was their sore spot. They went out. They fixed it. Trey Hendrickson is at beast pass rushing. They got some. They don't got a great defense. Like I think the Bills' defense is better talent-wise for sure. But the Bengals got some players on defense. And then they went on the draft and they took Dax Hill and Cam Taylor Britt, two rookies I really like a lot for their secondary. I love the Bengals. I'd be very, very, very excited if I'm a Bengals fan about their prospects of going back to a Super Bowl. But here I got the Bills winning the Super Bowl or I'm winning the AFC. And then in the Super Bowl, kind of just gave it away with a spoiler there. I got the Bills winning over the Rams. The same way the season starts will be the same way the season ends, except I will add this caveat. Man, I have to say it, and I'm sorry, folks. I think the Rams are going to win week one here this week. I do. I, I think Trey White being gone, I think the Rams being at home, raising that banner, they're going to be ready to play. Um, it, it'll be a good game, I think. The, I, but I do think the Rams are going to beat the Bills. I think the Bills are going to have a, some early season struggles. And look, man, as good as this team is, there's going to be peaks and valleys, okay? This is not the early 90s Cowboys. This isn't the 85 Bears where they're just that much better than everyone else. That teams are intimidated before they're even on the field. I think it'll be a close game. I think the Bills could win, obviously. I, quite frankly, want to see the Bills win, of course. But I think the Rams are going to win opening day, which, or opening night, kind of sucks, but... Sweet revenge will come at the very end because the Buffalo Bills will beat the LA Rams and win the Super Bowl. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this episode, this predictions episode. This is one of those where I really don't care at the time when I'm making these predictions because anybody could do that. What I am looking forward to 
is going back in like mid to late February and coming back and listening to this episode and going through my divisional picks, my awards, you know, all the projections and stuff and seeing how I did. That's always the fun thing. And if you know me, I will not hesitate to call myself out. In fact, I just put up a tweet a couple of days ago where uh, and back in 2017, where I suggested the Bills should be tanking for Josh Rosen. So I am not afraid by any means to call myself out. Anyway, thank you for listening. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I will be back again. We will be taping immediately after the Bills-Rams game on Thursday night with my man Joe Yurden. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon. Take care. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.